0: Welcome back to Wax Wednesday. It's why join the Navy when you can be a pirate. This episode brought to you by Datone Records. I know. It's actually a sad one, isn't it? Like, it's
1: a celebration of the life of Charles Bradley, but at the same time, six wonderful years of releasing music at the age of 68 years old, far too young.
0: Yeah. So for those of you who are, uh, are unaware of the premise, we're actually celebrating, or not celebrating, but commiserating the passing of Charles Bradley, um, who is probably getting one of my favorite. Favourite artist that we, we, we share together. Screami- of all time. The screaming, is, Yeah, the Screaming Eagle of Soul. Yeah, and for those who don't know
1: Charles, we're going to go through a bit of his upbringing, his career and everything about it and how he has affected our lives and everything like that and what all that his music meant to us. But he was born in, uh, in Florida. And then he moved to New York to live with his grandmother for the first eight years of his life, who we thought he was his mother. And then his mother came into his life and was like, who are you? And she was like, well, I'm your mum.
0: Yeah, he's... um he's lived i mean it's a it's a uplifting and and, and tragic and a bit of a roller coaster ride the life of charles bradley he's definitely lived a colorful one um across the states and um yeah. are only really exploded into the public scene later in life
1: yeah so at the age of 8 he was raised by his mother and when he he was a teenager he had a terrible relationship with his mother when he was a kid and he ran he left home when he was 14 and there's a story of what he used to do in uh in new york of how where he would sleep every night and He'd basically ride the subway on the A-train from the start to the end, get kicked off by the policeman, go onto another subway and just ride through the nights on the subways, just trying to get a night's sleep.
0: Yeah, and that's where he'd sleep and that's where he'd he'd stay.
1: And then someone uh, saw him and said, hey, you should join this uh, kind of like a goodwill company. And there he just was like became a cook and was cooking for people.
0: Yeah. And he got was, given a job. It was low. Um, it was charity work as well. He was involved in quite a bit of.
1: It was low paying, but it gave him some sort of purpose. And this is where everything changed for him. This is where he became not just like some kid who needs help. He uh, got pushed onto the stage because someone thought he would look like James Brown. That's what happened. Someone this is like, I think it was called Jobs Corp. Pushed him. Be like, hey, you look like James Brown. You should get on stage. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not doing that he uh, gets up to this bar and they're like all right we're gonna introduce this uh James Brown he's like no no no!" they gave him like these shots of gin and they pushed him into the front and that's how we got into being a James Brown impersonator
0: and he had that sort of the big James Brown hair um and you actually hear him when you hear him sing he's kind of got that that gravelly big voice a bit similar to yeah they
1: didn't call him a screaming eagle for nothing yeah
0: exactly and it's kind of interesting to think that that's how he started musically, and that's sort of how he formed the, his his own voice and his own noise. So much so that when he became Charles Bradley, the performing artist, the record label, and we'll, we'll go into that, had to push and urge him to not go out on stage dressed as James, James
1: Brown. <laughs> it's a weird one because obviously James Brown is such a like. It's interesting hearing inspirations from other artists of like who like led the way and like this one is like such a big one like if not for james brown there would be no charles bradley
0: exactly but he's so much his own artist as well um but he was just not comfortable performing as, as charles he to him his performance was james brown no matter what he was singing um that enigmatic energy that the james brown sort of had charles brought into his own um his own performance but he was um an energetic person had a lot of love, and I
1: do. know what you're thinking. You're like, Hey, Pirates, there he was, what 20 years old when he started performing. How come he didn't release a song till he was 62? Wow, it took him that long to get discovered. Well, this is the heartache of everything. Yeah. This is the real trials and tribulations of being an artist and wanting to make it and not giving up. That's what Charles kind of means to me. In that, like, he went under the name Black Velvet, yeah, that's just his personality. That,
0: that was his James Brown stage yeah.
1: name, Black Velvet playing all these. N- Gigs are everywhere throughout America.
0: I think he was also doing a bit of time overseas. He actually got big as a James Brown impersonator. No, he was
1: doing okay for himself, but yeah. he was living in a commissioned housing flat in Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, um, well, when we say big, we're not we're not talking millions.
1: No, we're talking we're talking maybe up, just we're enough. talking
0: upgrading from the subway carriages to a, <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> to we're a talking having
1: living. enough food to have on his, on his table for dinner, and it um, For sure, but yeah, so he became uh, this black velvet character and he put on the cape and he looked like james brown he just rock out every night and man this is like you're like okay cool everything's starting to go his way what happens next and that's where even more heartache and pain comes in a nice little uh reference to one of his songs there kids exactly um and there's a lot of heartache and pain there's like the story tells of when he was going to commit suicide he was uh hitchhiking he, he got into this car and uh he got pulled over by the policeman And the policeman abused him and assaulted him and just let him go for no reason, other than he was black. Gets into this pizza store and just sits there and someone walks in and puts on the jukebox, Take It to the Limit by The Eagles. Real emotive song. And he sits there and just cries his eyes out in this cafe. So like every trial and tribulation he's had, he's like been trying to make it for a while now and nothing has happened. And he just breaks down in tears and decides that he's going to keep going
0: and keep trying. It does finally work out for him. Um, But that's interesting to sort of understand the struggle and I guess Place of Darkness where Charles was born because you see him, you see his live performances and and there's an interesting documentary. If you're interested in in learning more about Charles, I would urge you to watch um, based on his life. And he he ends up being so gracious for for absolutely everything.
1: He's the most loving, friendly, uplifted person I think. I never met, met him, but I'll ever see in any form. Like... There was literally no evil in him at all. Like, I can't even imagine No, he was there. such a pure person. <laughs> like, he had so much love in his heart.
0: And he was so, he, and, uh, yeah, he was so driven as well, and music was a, was a true passion by him. And I think that's what helped lead him to his discovery, and he was discovered by the Dap, um, Daptone Records.
1: So, The Heartaches and Pain, the song on his uh, debut album. His brother was murdered when he was quite young, and he was close with his brother and his... That was the real biggest pain of his life, and he never talked about it, kept it to himself. And then he, they talk about after he met with Deptone Records, the guy, um, they realized he had all these incredible stories, but his creative process of writing music was like no other artists.
0: No, exactly. And he, well, he kind of didn't have a process. A lot of this was done live and, and, and improvised on the spot. Charles would tell a story that he felt suited the, the musical beat or the rhythm that they were playing because he, he was illiterate. He could not read or write.
1: Yeah, like there's often stories of him coming to the uh, studio, they'd get a beer or a tea or something, they'd sit down and they'd just talk, and then after they talk for a while, they're like, "Charles, this is this is the song, <laughs> this is what what this is the story," and he'll just they'll play him a beat, and he just get up and just like improvise this entire song based off the story he just told, and then the guys at Tone would write down the lyrics and work with it to put it in a more uh, musically literate way and then that became the song so for the song heartaches and pain he was going to tell him the story of his brother's death and he didn't uh he only learned piano from like watching others play he wasn't musically trained at all and the interesting thing about heartaches and pain he had this one little riff that he kept playing and playing and playing and one day he said all right charles we're gonna do a song about your brother and the song gonna be your lead the one that you wrote and that's uh on his debut album. Yeah,
0: they actually closed with that track called Heartaches and Pain and it opens with that piano line that Charles that Charles plays. It's a tragic story. I ended up getting a phone call and, and journeyed to the house where his brother lived and was and was killed. Um and the the is laid out entirely in the song. But his debut album, uh, No Time for Dreaming is super emotive. Um, you know, it opens up in with a track called The World Is Going Up in Flames. Um and then on the B side, there's there's some tracks called like "No Time for Dreaming" and "Why Is It So Hard?" and it's definitely uh, a sense of struggle and uh, compassion, um, exacerbation and losses definitely shines through in this in this opening album.
1: And for me, that's why like he is soul music. Like that is what yeah. soul's about. Like it's really pouring your soul out. Like that's what he's done in each of these records. And I don't think we'll ever hear anyone like him
0: in our time. No. Well, I mean, he was performing. Uh, he was touring the world. Um, he was in the height of his of his uh, of his career when he well at sixty two years uh, 62 age. Sixty two years old and he kept touring to the end. He actually played at um at the Meredith Supernatural Amphitheatre one on Golden Plains. A year before I went I was shattered. Um it, instead Lee Fields played played that year and did a tribute to both Charles and, and Sharon Jones, um, both on the Daptone label. Sharon Jones was sort of well, for those of you familiar with with Tone and, and the soul outputs, Sharon Jones is probably one of the biggest soul singers of our time to come out of that record label. Um, and Charles supported her on some of her tours and they had a really close relationship.
1: Yeah, the song Why Is It So Hard was actually because of Sharon. Like she was like, Dap- all these soul artists were huge in Europe and they weren't selling out gigs at big theaters in America. And she was like, why is it so hard to make it in America? And Charles was like, well, let me tell you, why is it yeah. so
0: hard? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I know it's got such um such an interesting story as well. Like he moved back, you know, when he moved back to um to live with his mum in his mum's basement when he was able to be self-funded, and uh, I think just due to her past the re- past relationship, he felt it was his duty to care for her in her in her later years.
1: And that's also the beautiful thing. Like it's one thing to have a mother that's not trained you right as a kid, but it's another thing to come back later in life and take care of that person till their last day. Like he would he would cook her dinner every night he would take her like the, the, the cutest thing is at his show his very first show for his debut album as charles bradley not as james brown and not as black velvet he stops the show and he says ma where are you and he pulls his mom out and gives her a shout out in the middle of it all and it's a really um and even after the successful his first thing he was still so shattered that there were lines of people trying to get in and they couldn't see him that's the type of person Charles
0: is. Yeah, he was so disappointed. I mean, he felt like he let those people down who couldn't go and see his show, even though it was ticketed, and they just didn't, you know, didn't get the chance to buy buy a ticket. Um, he would he would gush over the crowd and thank them, um, and sort of scream at them, "I love you!" at the end of his shows and at the start and throughout.
1: But it's not one of those artists who like do the say like, "Oh, I love you, Melbourne. Thanks, Melbourne." Yeah, he's like, was, was so true. sincere. Yeah,
0: it was true. He couldn't believe it, and like people were meeting him after the shows, and he wanted to meet absolutely everyone shake their hand and thank them personally. You could
1: tell he's waited 60 years for that moment. Like, there's so much, like, there's a certain level of heartaches and pain for sure and a level of graciousness that only Charles had and probably o- will ever have as an artist. Like, no one else would no. be like that.
0: A funny um, a funny deep fact, he had, he had a pet bird. Oh, he did too, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> Our birds are traditionally long-lived. I wonder if Charles Bradley's bird is still getting around. Oh, surely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but another sort of step... Down Charles' I hear the
1: birds releasing a song in tone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh So for those of you not familiar with all of Charles' albums Obviously he opened with No Time for Dreaming His, his next release after that was Victim of Love um, And that was sort of the first album I actually heard some Charles songs off There's a big track on that called Confusion Quite heavy, I played it on the podcast before That's um, a great track And then probably his most recognised album Is his third album, it's titled Changes Where he actually covers um, the Black Sabbath song I'm kind
1: of jealous that you got that record and I don't. I'll uh, bookend the show with uh, the Black Velvet release, which was uh, released after his death and there's all these unreleased tracks that he was putting together and uh, they use his original stage name before he was Charles Bradley.
0: Yeah, but it's not... I actually didn't hear any of these songs um, by Charles when I first came across him. I was actually introduced to it by a good friend of mine uh, when I was working at the brewery and I wasn't introduced. He showed me a video. He was like, have a look at this guy. He's still alive today. And it was Charles Pr- Bradley performing with his... Um, it wasn't with the Extraordinaires. It was with uh, the Golden Bullets, I believe, was the band that he was fronting at the time. Um, pretty fresh in the Charles Bradley career journey. And it was a single called um, This Love Ain't Big Enough. And it was it's like a soul heater, the chorus being, you know, this love ain't big enough for the two of us. But he gets down into this breakdown. He's so passionate. And he's like 58 years old in this video and he's up there doing the splits, or like drop splits on stage, and his dance moves are hot. And I watch it for the first time, and he absolutely busted it up. I nearly reckon we put a put a link to this video in. Can we do
1: that? Yeah, his live shows, like
0: yeah, he YouTube Charles Bradley yeah. deep cuts of his live shows. He dances on stage like a young man. It's, it's you can tell he hilarious. was a James Brown impersonator. Oh, <laughs> definitely can.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. My uh, first impressions of Charles Bradley was. I was living in New York at the time and I had this friend, uh, her name was Appinate and we were talking about just great artists of all time. And she was like, oh, Charles Bradley, hands down and was so confident about it. And I was like, I didn't know who Charles was at the time. I was like a young kid and didn't really understand it. And then I moved back to Melbourne and I, the first thing we did when I moved into Fitzroy, um, into the share house that uh, I met Lewis in was uh, bought these two Charles Bradley records and just played that on repeat as soon as I got it. Like to the point where like, <laughs> It's, every time I hear it, it's just like, that's just implanted in my mind. And when we, uh, in this house that, uh, that Charles kind of brought the soundtrack to, uh, Lewis walked up one day and on, uh, just sat on our couch and we just talking and it was a topic of conversation that it was like, okay.
0: Yeah, first meeting, I think Charles Bradley came, came straight up. And if
1: you knew, if you could say Charles Bradley, you got yourself that room.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it with conviction and uh, that, was, that was my ticket in. I think at that time was uh, was actually when he had he'd passed. He passed. I think year. it was just a week, uh, a yeah. few weeks
1: just after he passed away. Then, yeah, um, when he was sixty eight years old, it's yeah. September twenty three, seventeen.
0: Yeah, and I believe PBS, yeah, PBS, was doing a big, um, big tribute to him, taking us four years to do the tribute show. Yeah, and
1: I think this is going to be a yearly tradition now, <laughs> every yeah, uh, every year at the very least to hold up a glass or to put on some records for you.
0: Uh, I reckon I just about
1: play Charles weekly. So uh, that's a quick insight into the life of Charles.
0: Yeah, we're gonna play. Um, we're gonna play eight tracks, two from each of his, each of his albums. Um, it's gonna be hard to choose. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's gonna be a big, difficult one to choose. Um, but there, I I think you'll sort of see the the musical growth behind Charles and how he grows as a lyricist. Um, throughout these records, I mean, he does after his first album when he started making some coin, he was, you know, even paying for, uh, tutelage so he can learn to read and write so he can be a better songwriter and, um, grow as a musician and. And I think that growth is, is evident, um, but I mean it's when you're already presented with such a shining shining star already, there's yeah. not much that needed polishing.
1: Once you once you've heard him, you've heard everything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, I should get into the yeah. all right, we'll leave you show. we'll
0: leave you at that. Um, we encourage you to go search deep into the backstories of Charles Bradley. It's a, it is an uplifting. It's it's sad but also uplifting, um, and definitely worth worth an investigation.
1: Yeah, this this is really just the tip of the iceberg. Like yeah. we could talk about Charles for hours on end, but I think to tell anyone's life is really just to play his music and celebrate his life, and that's uh, what we're going to do. Exactly right. All right, let's get into it. All right, we'll see you guys next week. See ya, bye. No
2: time for I will be Time. Yeah, the baby time I was gonna love you again all along you told me baby i Hello. Try to be a righteous man Just do you in. Ain't it a sin? Ain't it a sin? i yeah. want to give I've been a minor for a while Mm. I've been to Hollywood I've been to Redwood I crossed the ocean for a heart of gold I've been in my mind It's such a fine line Thank you.